Well, hello, teachers. Welcome back to another episode of the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast. Caitlin here with you. Hey, everybody. It's Jessica. We are excited for today's episode. We are going to be talking about how better instruction cuts your grading time in half. Brilliant. Right? Who wouldn't want that? Totally. And it's so simple. It's like such a simple concept. And that's the best part of it. It's such right. a simple concept. And sometimes it's like the easiest, simple things make the biggest difference. And we just overlook them. We're like, oh, that's too easy. I'm already doing that. But are you? Yep. Yep. And I know that this is, we know that this is such a huge pain point for so many teachers because, you know, we get feedback, we survey everybody, you know, on our email list, we ask you guys questions. What do you need help with? And so many of you let us know that grading essays is just taking so much of your time, right? Your weekends, your evenings, and you're, and you're still not seeing any results in your students' writing. Isn't that the worst? Like you're leaving all this feedback, thinking you're helping students, offering them suggestions, and then you give it back to them, their essay, and they barely glance at it. You see the same mistakes time and time again, and you're like, well, what was the point of all that grading, mm-hmm. right? And but, I will, go ahead. I will tell you that was me in my first year's teaching. That's really? exactly what I, I remember the actual first essay I ever graded, right? I was 22. I was in graduate school. So I, I undergrad, I didn't, I wasn't a major in education. So I hadn't mm-hmm. taken an education course before. And I remember sitting down in the first essay I graded it took me 30 minutes. Oh my God. And then I realized I was like, I have 150 students. <laughs> you can't <laughs> this isn't going to work. No. And right. If when if someone had told you then, like, it doesn't have to be this way. Like you don't have to spend all that time grading. So what if we said to you all listening, like there is a better way to spend your time. If you focus on the instruction instead of the grading, oh my goodness, it's going to change everything. So that's what we're talking about here today. Yeah. And the best thing about cutting your grading time in half is what it does for you in your life as well. Like I know that seems like so silly to talk about sometimes for some people, Mm -hmm. but if you think about the impact of the little things that you can change or adjust in your classroom to positively impact your life. For example, if your grading time is cut in half, what does that do for you? It gives you time on the weekend to spend watching Netflix to your heart's desire, or, you know, when we're not in quarantine to go get a pedicure or go on a walk or read, Mm -hmm. at least for me, you know, reading books at night to my son before bedtime. It just changes my personal life which impacts my professional life in such a positive way. You show up differently with your family and to your students because you're not stressed, right? You've left work at work and you're not constantly thinking about school and your lessons and the grading and all those other things. You're able to just say, no, I put in the time. All right, let's do something Mm -hmm. fun. Yeah. And so what if this year, right, after you listen to this episode, this becomes the year that you allow grading to no longer take over your life, right? It's no longer going to stress you out. It's no longer going to weigh you down. The whole grading paradigm is going to be flipped on its head for you. And your student's writing is going to improve because you're spending less time grading. Sounds crazy, but it is so the truth. (laughs) Yes. So we're going to share three strategies with you today. And again, these might seem simple and obvious, but really take a minute and think to yourself, am I doing these? Could I improve on them and make a shift in the way I approach grading? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So let's dive right in. Yeah, let's do it. So number one is to use a very specific rubric. So in our EB writing program, we have a very specific rubric. If you're in our program, you know exactly what we're talking about. And the way it's set up is so helpful for grading 
because it's on a scale, right, of one to five of inadequate to mastery. And then within each column, there are rows of various parts of the essay that we're grading our students on. So tag, claim, premise, evidence, justification, the whole, everything that we teach in our EBW framework. And then across the columns, across the one, two, three, four, five that we're grading them is actual language in terms of how is this student mastering this specific skill for essay writing. And that language allows us to just circle in our rubric where our students went did a great job and where our students didn't do such a great job. So instead of us writing physically on their paper, it's almost like taking comments on Google Classroom and just copying and pasting them, but we're just circling the comments essentially in the rubric to leave feedback that way. Right. So a clear example for this, so you can picture it in your mind, as Caitlin mentioned, tag, right? So in one of our little boxes on the rubric, it might say one element of tag is missing. I can just circle that if a kid did that. I don't have to say, oh, you forgot to include the author in your opening sentence. It saves you so much time doing it that way. Mm -hmm. It's such an easy rubric to use. I love it. And it's interesting because, again, going back to when I first started teaching English, high school English, our rubric was set up. It said introduction, one through 10, like literally just the numbers. And I had to circle what I felt they got you know, was this it's so a vague? It's so vague. And it made it really hard for me to grade in such a way that I felt was fair because there was no language for me to help me figure out where this student fell on this specific skill. So when you have a rubric that directly aligns with the language that you use for the writing that you're teaching, if you have tag premise, et cetera, like we do in our EBW approach, grading becomes circling comments that are pre-written and giving students feedback that way. So two things to note, I think, too, with rubrics here is first, we are talking here about literary analysis writing, right? But we use rubrics for every single type of writing, and they're very similar in how they are set up. So students kind of are familiar with them for Mm -hmm. narrative writing, for argumentative, persuasive, whatever it is. So we have our rubrics ready, and we distribute them before any assignment. So this is where the better instruction comes in, right? We spend time up front going over the rubric with our students so clearly that there's no question in their mind what the expectations are and what they need to include in their paper. Yeah. And oftentimes, and, and going back into the, you know, instruction, the better instruction is when we do that, we, also, we'll sometimes provide them with a mentor text. Huh, Let's grade this. Always. <laughs> well, eighth grade. Eighth yeah, grade, sure. I don't okay, give them fifth a grade, mentor always. <laughs> um, But, you know, we will sometimes even grade the mentor text with the rubric so students can see why this paper is an, ex- an example for them of a great piece of writing. And so they're like, okay, well, what is that going to look like for me in order to get that mastery column that I'm, that I'm after, that I'm hoping to achieve? Yes. So spend the time up front with that rubric. And then when it's finally time to sit down and grade, you're really just circling parts on it. You're not spending a lot of time writing, you know, three to five sentences on each one, giving them all this feedback that they're not going to look at. Mm -hmm. And I want to say one thing. I just want you guys to ask yourself, you know, if you're listening to this, do you show your students your rubric before you grade their papers? Because I remember as a student, I would sometimes not even know how I was going to be graded. And it made completing the assignment incredibly challenging because I didn't know what my teacher was looking for. So if you're not giving your students the rubric beforehand, I really want you, we really want you to kind of 
maybe rethink that because we believe that you might be doing a disservice to what your students are actually capable of in their writing. So I know that might be hard to hear, but sometimes that's what makes us better. <laughs> For sure. Okay, let's go into strategy number two. Um, this strategy is all about giving feedback on targeted mini lessons. So again, the instruction before your grading. So earlier, Caitlin was talking about our rubric with our literary analysis essays, right? Using tag, claim, premise, etc. How we tie in this strategy is that we spend a lot of time on mini lessons that we know show up in the essay and show up in the rubric. So for example, we would spend an entire class period, maybe even two, on tag, teaching students title, author, and genre, practicing examples with that, showing the ones who are you know, high achievers how they can improve on those tags by adding in adjectives or expanding their sentences. So a lot of time is spent on it up front so that when they go to write their essay, hopefully they are including everything they need to in a really impressive tag so that we can save time on the grading. Mm -hmm. So our instruction is stronger because we're really targeting the mini lessons to fit into the rubric and it pays off in the end. And we do that for every component of an essay. Yeah. And what's beautiful about that in terms of giving feedback in that way is when students are working, you know, either independently or in small groups or with a partner on the lesson that, or, you know, on the practice part of that lesson that goes along with the instruction that you gave your students for tag, you are walking around the classroom and you're seeing, okay, clearly you have in your mind, these five students get it. So those five students, like Jessica said, we're going to challenge them by having them, you know, expand their sentences or maybe add in prepositional phrases, however you want to take it to the next level. But then you also see the students who clearly aren't quite there yet. And you're able to use that class time. Really, it's almost like you're doing um, a writing conference with your student, but in real time. You know, you're not waiting until they've written their final paper and then you got to figure out how to do the, the writing uh, conferences with your kid. You know what I mean? Like just structuring mm -hmm. that whole situation can be very daunting, I know, for a lot of us. And so doing that type of feedback on a consistent basis as you're working through each of the mini lessons for your writing assignment gives your students that real-time feedback that they're missing out on if we don't use this strategy with our kids. And I think what's kind of cool is, you know, you're going to do probably more of these mini lessons at the beginning of the year, right? But our whole goal is that students are practicing these same types of writing throughout the year. So towards the springtime, you might not be spending so much time on tag or summary or whatever it is. And instead, their writing has just been improving because they've had consistent practice all year long. Mm -hmm. So again, it pays off. If you put in the time up front with the mini lessons and you give the strong feedback, you're going to have to do less of that toward the end of the year and grading just becomes so much easier. Yeah. So before we get into number three, I kind of want to give you guys an analogy, right? So let's say that we are being observed by our principal or our admin and afterwards they pull out their list of all of these things <laughs> that they want us to work on, right? They're like, this was good, but these are all the areas you need to improve. What would that do for you? <laughs> Can you imagine? I, oh I'm like gosh, already getting anxious those thinking things. about it. Yeah. And so if you had 10 things that your admin wants you to focus on, that makes it overwhelming. That makes it stressful. That makes you kind of feel like a failure. Even if they gave you a lot of positive feedback, those negative feedback, that's what we kind of hold on to as humans. That's just our human nature. And so this last point, number three, is that 
Less is really more when it comes to leaving comments and areas for improvement for our students. In the same way that that would be incredibly overwhelming for you from your admin as a teacher, the same is true for our students, right? Too much feedback, too many comments, too many areas for improvement is incredibly overwhelming. So instead, we suggest that you choose maybe a specific skill from the rubric that you're using to target and then leave a few actionable comments on each student's paper. So that's really like the only area that you're going to leave a comment on that you're actually going to maybe write a sentence or two for the entire paper that you've graded for your student. Right. And you can take that a step further and whatever specific comment you gave to each student, allow a little bit of class time and have them try to fix or improve on that one task. They're going to grow from that. They're going to remember that and hopefully be able to apply it to future essays. Mm -hmm. It actually is like valuable use of everyone's time. Yes. One other thing that, and I kind of just want to throw this out there if you're someone who wants to take it to like the next level. So what I've done with my eighth graders in the past that I found is very powerful is before I grade their essay, I have them grade their essay. Using the rubric that you provide. Using the rubric that I provided. And I have them justify, right? Still using the standards. Mm -hmm. I have them justify why they gave themselves the grade that they did. You know, what was it about your paper that just missed the mark in terms of getting to adequate or mastery or whatever it might be? And then other times what I'll have them do is I'll grade the paper, but I won't leave any feedback. And then I'll have them go back through their paper and try to decide what did I, what did I miss? Because they're looking so much more closely at their work in that way than if I'm just giving them their paper back and I let them spend 10 minutes looking at it, which isn't what we do, but it, it's a powerful way for them to review their own work. And sometimes like they're harsher critics, right? You always have the kid who's like, my essay's perfect. I give it an A. Like there's (laughs) always one. But most are like tougher on themselves than we would be. And I would do the same thing. And I would have Mm -hmm. to think, no, you know what? I actually think you did a really good job on that part. Like, why did you (laughs) say that? So it's an interesting conversation to have. Yeah. Yeah. So to give you guys a recap of everything, number one, you want to use a very specific rubric that directly complements and supports however you are teaching writing in your classroom. Number two is to give more feedback on targeted mini lessons in class. And three is that less is more when it comes to leaving comments for students. So even though that's three, right, we don't want to overwhelm you. So if you had to pick one, the one that is going to be the most impactful for you in terms of grading the quickest, I think is number one of using a very specific intentional rubric. Absolutely. So obviously like we as educators, we want you to do the best for your students. We all want that, right? That's number one. But we're here to tell you that being a good teacher does not mean you have to abandon your personal life, your family, your friends, your self-care by spending so much time on your grading. So you really have to ask yourself, is all that time spent grading truly doing what's best for your students? And if it's not, maybe it's time to rethink it and change those strategies so that you're a more efficient grader, you've cut that grading time in half, and your focus is truly on the instruction because that's what matters for your Mm -hmm. students. And you're going to see your students' writing improve drastically. Before we recorded this episode, I even told Jess, I said, I feel like the less I graded, the better my students' writing got, which is fascinating. And if you dig down into like why that's the case. It really does come down to the fact that 
you're freeing up so much more of your time. You're allowing yourself to be more creative, have better instruction, show up for your students more. Mm -hmm. There's just so many ripple effects and you're not being bogged down in the grading. Yeah. Win-win for everyone. Such a great episode. Hope this really helps you guys. Um, We would love for you to leave us a comment on our Instagram page, send us a direct message or, you know, leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you thought about this specific episode, because this is one we've kind of been hearing over and over again that you guys want to see or hear rather. So we just want to, we would love to get your feedback and hear your thoughts on that. So thanks so much everybody for joining us. We will see you next week on the podcast. Hope you guys have a great week. Bye everybody.